All Things in the Name of Love, with your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it flow. Episode 62, Inner Work and Acceptance with Daniel Geffen. So today I have with me a beautiful special guest, Daniel Geffen, who I met, uh, I guess, about two years ago on Facebook, and we've been going back and forth, and you were recently stated you're going to be launching a deep podcast about spirituality, and I was like, oh, let's talk about this, because that just felt so, so beautiful, and some of the posts you've shared I've been in agreement and I'm like, yes, let's do this stuff. And I've seen other people like, you're crazy, Erica. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what called you to do this, the shift for you? Oh, man. Wow. There's like a short answer and a long answer. <laughs> and we'll go with the short one, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for having me on, Erica. You're I'm so welcome. Really honored, honored to be here. And I guess what happened was I started a podcast four years ago called Can I Pick Your Brain? And the, the idea was basically just to interview people in the business world. And after interviewing over 150 very, very high profile business people, you know, billionaires and millionaires and no trillionaires yet, but um, <laughs> I, uh, oh, how do I explain this? I felt really empty. Like I felt so empty. There was this massive drive to make money that I've had since I was young, this, 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 this super drive to just make money. And at some point it just became just so meaningless. And I, I just said to myself, this is, this can't be all there is. I mean, this is a joke. And, and all the people that I interviewed who had all this money seemed like they were struggling with, with like purpose. They didn't have a real purpose. And oh. I was the guy that would watch like Gary V every day for, for lunch, like with my lunch, I would, I would watch him talk about, you know, you got to hustle your face off and you got to hustle 24 seven. And, you know, and I'm just like, I don't want to hustle my face off. You know, I just, <laughs> I just want to live. <laughs> like, why do you make me feel so anxious? And it's like, mm. I realize like there's so many people who are following this guy talking about how you've got to smash it. You've got to, you got to effing hustle. And I'm just like, wow, that's not a message that I want to teach my children. And yeah. I don't know. I just felt this constant anxiety to like do more, do more, do better. Why are you watching Netflix at night when you should be, you know, grinding? I'm like, I don't want to grind. I just, I just want to live like mm -hmm. peacefully, you know? Yeah. So I put the brakes on. I basically put the brakes on and I said, I'm, I'm done interviewing successful business people. I want to interview people who have a deeper purpose in life. And, and that got me on a whole journey. And I started studying ancient texts, ancient wisdom, Jewish wisdom, doing a lot of meditation as well. 
And uh, that's led me to, to really where I am now, which is launching this deeper living brand and, and now going into, you know, basically uh, working with people who are, I call them, I guess, high achievers that are just like burnt out. That's beautiful. That's beautiful because I, you know, when I started my podcast, it was because I was feeling, well, I took a, my, my listeners will be bored by this by now, but I took a vow of peace five years ago because I was overwhelmed by the violence in our society. Mm-hmm. And everything in my life has changed as a result of that. One, I, I said, I don't know who's listening. I don't care who's listening. I was raised Protestant, but that didn't gel with me because I didn't know how to connect more deeply like I want to have a relationship with God or source or whatever you want to call it. I want that relationship. I don't want somebody telling me that I could have it, but they're the intermediary between me and that being. So I went on this yeah. quest and, and I just, I feel this, this deeper calling that we're, we're collectively being called to go within and dive into whatever resonates with you to find that meaning, that purpose. My purpose is to be the highest expression of who I am. And that means being fully led and surrendering to God's source so that I can use my gifts in their highest expression. Right. And so the fact that you're feeling that and you're getting that call is just so beautiful. It may look, it does look different for you than it does for me. And it's still that deeper calling and it's really beautiful. Yeah. And, and I love what you said, Erica. And what's really interesting is when you say higher expression, like I, 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 I want to live up to my higher expression. So on the one hand, that sounds incredible, right? You want to live to your higher expression. Yeah, that sounds incredible, doesn't it? <laughs> But I'm going to give you a little, like, on the other hand, that could, that could make me feel a little bit overwhelmed because like, oh no, shit, I, shoot, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to live up to my highest, you know, expression. Well, right. Do you see and, what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, and that's your ego talking, right? Like, I'm not saying, I'm not yeah. saying, like, I, I did something last week where I made these, I made almond milk. And yeah. I'm like, yes, I made almond milk. This maybe got a little <laughs> gritty, and that's okay. And then I made my first ever crackers from the meal from the almonds, and it tasted great. They were they were like they were like a really good first time right. crackers. And my <laughs> old self would have been like, "Oh my gosh, you failed so badly! What were you thinking? Why do you think you could bake crackers?" Well, I've been baking since I was four, so I know I can do this, but I've never done this thing. And so, so the highest expression for me is, does it bring me joy? Mm. If I'm judging myself, then that's not a high expression because I am connected to the divine. I am a slice of that. God lives within me. Yes. And so if I'm expressing joy, that is the state where I am my highest self. Mm Mm-hmm. And peace so and love. And, and, and in that state, you can't judge. Right. And the sad thing is, we should all be feeling that way, that that should be our default setting. Mm-hmm. Our default setting should be that peaceful, joyful harmony. And I, I realized that my default setting is irritable, discontent, 
that's the default. And then sometimes I'll have a, I have a break, like maybe I'll hang out with my kids or hang out with my wife and suddenly have that, that break from that, that feeling of, of discontent and irritability and, and restlessness. Right. Mm -hmm. And, or maybe I'll watch like a Netflix and just binge on it. So I could totally just numb that feeling. And then I have a break from it. But, but my default, like whenever I go back to default, it's, it's this, this, this background noise of like, come on, you know, come on, you got to do better and you got to do more. And it's really interesting because today I went for a walk with, with my family. We have five children. We're blessed mm. to have five beautiful children. And my oldest is 12 and his name's Alicia. And he really struggles with being around other people. The thing is, he's, he's actually a really good looking kid. I don't know how, I mean, I guess my wife's genes, but he's a really good looking, really good looking boy. He's got the Bieber profile look, you know, that Bieber with his hair. And he's always doing his hair in the mirror. And, and we, we, we bumped into like, you know, some of his school friends with it. And he ran, he literally ran away. He was so scared. Wow. And it really, it really broke me inside because I thought, why is he, why, why is he feeling like this? And we came home and I went into my office. I was about to start working. And then I decided, I don't know, there was this voice in me that said, you should write a letter to your son. Aww. And so I literally just opened up Google Docs and I started writing and I started writing this letter and I broke down in tears. Like I absolutely just burst out in tears because it, it was like, I wish someone wrote this to me, like when I was, when I was his age and I can read it to you if you want. I please, please. I I'd love to hear it. I would love to hear it. All right, here it is. So um, I actually haven't given it to him yet. I literally wrote this today and, and I'm going to give it to him later oh, on. So thank you. Yeah. So you guys get to hear it before he does. <laughs> All right. Dear Alicia, sometimes you may feel like you're not good enough. Some people might make you feel small. You may hear a voice inside your head saying that you can't stand tall. Listen to my voice. Every time you can make a choice, just as you can change a song, that's not much fun. You can change the voice in your head for a better one. So play this song in your head instead. I am good enough, even when things get rough, even when things get tough. I am good enough. Play it over and over again until it drowns out all the other voices until it raises above all the other choices. You don't need any proof because this is the voice of truth. And the truth is you are and always will be good enough. No matter what happens or what you do or what people say, nobody can change you. Play that song loud and clear. Play it so loud that others can hear. Play it so loud that there is no more fear. As I write these words, I shed many a tear because had someone told me the same, I would have avoided so much pain. But now that I know it's true, I'm giving it over to you. I love you more than you can ever know, Daddy. Oh my gosh, I have chills <sighs> from that. That is so beautiful. It didn't come from anywhere other than what I would describe as the source. Something mm -hmm. deep, 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 deep inside. Mm -hmm. And when that, when that voice is awoke and when that voice speaks, it is so powerful. It's mm -hmm. so powerful. And the problem is, is that we, we, we lose that voice. We, we somehow 
it gets drowned out by all these other voices that are so loud. And if we just quieten down and slow down, then we start to hear that little voice again. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's like, you know, whether you go to, whether you do meditation or whether you go for walks in the forest or, you know, whatever it is to get to that state, that's what life, that's how we can live a life worth living. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday I, we have a community garden and I went up and there's this big cedar there and she calls to me. She, I don't have a language with her, but her energy mm-hmm. just calls to me like child, you have to sit with me. And so I sat under her for about a half hour yesterday with my feet bare and on the ground. And I just felt this, this quiet love that was different from anything else I've ever felt. And when I was done, I felt this peaceful state of being that I don't think I've ever had because I let myself hear my heart instead of my head. And we're conditioned in our world to listen to our heads. I've spent a lifetime of perfecting my head brain it's (laughs) and and so i take curiosity and go from curiosity to obsessive compulsive i'm going to chase down the wildebeest and and tackle it and find the last bit of evidence that i possibly can to to uncover whatever it is i'm trying to uncover and and trying to pull myself back to the just the curiosity Mm -hmm. has been a fascinating process and I've forced myself to slow down and watch a bee do its bee thing and be present to that without imposing anything on it because every other creature on the planet is we're the ones that do they be and so I'm trying to get back into that state of being like constantly (laughs) More of the yeah. time than I have been, but but just because when I'm in in that in that state of being, I am. I don't have that judgment. I don't have that worry. I don't have that anxiety. I don't have to worry what anyone else thinks of me, because they don't matter. Because if I'm not in tune with myself, and I'm not feeling that peace, then I'm not being the truest expression of me. Yeah, and what's what's also interesting is that even though we are human beings, um, ultimately, you know, God put us in a world where we have to do in order to survive. There, there has to be do, a doing, and 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 there's growth. You know, we need to grow. I I actually wrote a book called The Self Help Addict, where, which was all, <laughs> yeah, which was all based on on being addicted to self-help. I was like a junkie. You know, I, I loved all the self-help books. I would like devour them and then go to the next one. And it was this vicious cycle. And I, I just found myself never ending. What's interesting is that even though I, I wrote the book, I wrote the book, I think two years ago. Today, I, I, feel, like, I feel like the book doesn't do justice to, to where I am now, because mm-hmm. when I wrote it, I was in a certain place where I felt like the answer to the self-help addict was just to do more. And (laughs) now I believe obviously not about doing more. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about, it's about doing the right things. But what's interesting is that in the book, I did talk about 
the balance of being and becoming. Mm. And it's a very fine balance. And, and one of the things that I, that I realized was, you know, I have a, my youngest is one. Okay. His name is Moshe mm. and we call him Mo. And so he's really cute. He's absolutely adorable. And he's an, he's in that stage where it's like, everything is cute. Like, mm. you know, he's, he's waddling and then he'll say something that's funny. And obviously if he's 25 and he's doing that, then there's something wrong, <laughs> which is the point that I'm, I'm going to get to, which is this. If you ask me right now, Erica, if, if there's anything that I would change about Moshe, I would tell you absolutely nothing. He's absolutely perfect. He's so perfect. Sometimes I could just literally sit there and just watch him and observe him. And I feel like I'm, 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 ah, it's just, that is it, it, that he, he is the greatest expression of what life is, is just being in the moment. And so he's perfect. At the same time, if you said to me, okay, great, Daniel, guess what? There's been a scientific breakthrough. Okay. And I've got this magic pill. If you feed this to Moshe, you know, slip it in his milk, he'll actually stop. He'll stop growing. He'll stop evolving and he'll stay exactly as he is for the rest of his life. Would you, would I take it? The answer would be absolutely not. I wouldn't even think about it. I, I would actually call you totally insane for offering mm-hmm. it. Like, are you nuts? What's wrong with you? And then you'd say, but Daniel, you just told me he's perfect just the way he is. So why, why would you want him to change? So there's the paradox. Because the paradox is I love him exactly as he is right now. But at the same time, I want to see him take his first, you know, trip to school. And I want to walk him, you know, down the aisle with his, with his wife. And, and I would love to have his children on my lap. And I want to see him grow. Mm-hmm. And yet, now let's look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are perfect as we are right now. We are absolutely perfect. There's nothing we need to change. But at the same time, the paradox of life is that we grow. Mm-hmm. It, it's, we're growing. We're constantly evolving. And the gift that we can give ourselves is to allow ourselves to grow without judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's a default to compare it's a default to feel less than. It's a default to question our worthiness. And when we remove those layers, I've done a lot of emotional healing with this, so I know. <laughs> when we remove those layers and we return to that childlike being, mm-hmm. then we give ourselves permission to grow without the constraints of fears that surround it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the irony that what you chase runs the other way. And when you let it go, then it starts to be attracted. It starts to attract men and women is a great example, right? You know, if you, if you're at a, you know where I'm going with this, right? You know, if you're at a bar and a guy is like jumping all over, you get the, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Get away, you know, go away. You know, like, what's wrong with you? You know, but it's the, it's the, it's the guy that's, uh, and, and women are the same. If a woman's all over a guy and it's, it's, it's not attractive, but when she's mysterious or hard to get, whatever, that, that there's that wanting, there's that longing for it. And I believe that everything is like that. Money, money, when a person is desperate, 
money runs the other way, like an opposite mm-hmm. sex. It literally feels like you're dirty, like you're trying to to take advantage of it. You know, if you ever be if you if you've ever been on a sales call with someone oh, who yeah. is desperately trying to get you to to open your wallet and give them give them the money, you just want to run away. You just like get out of here. Mm-hmm. But when you speak with someone who genuinely is putting you before money and genuinely cares and actually is willing to just walk away from the sale because listen, if it's not right, it's not right. Those are the people that you want to work with. Those are the people that you want to, and, and I'm telling you, you could play this out in any, any situation. It's all, it's all the same. It's, it's, yeah. we're not supposed to chase, mm-hmm. you know, hu- human beings originally attracted everything in the world. Everything was attracted to the human because uh, the human is the center of, of, of the universe and, and the, the king, the queen of the universe. And so everything is there to serve humans. But when humans don't act appropriately, then nature and, uh, uh, and everything around it is repulsed in a way and, and doesn't mm-hmm. behave in the way that it's supposed to. So, yeah, it's really interesting, very fascinating. I'm reading, I can't remember her name, but I'm reading this amazing book written by a Native American about how we coexist in the earth. Mm. And what's happened is that the human has gotten greedy out of fear. Yes. And when we just take what we need, everyone has enough. Mm -hmm. And then everything can thrive. And I don't mean just the humans. I mean, the plants, the animals, the waters, the everything, because we have to coexist. It's not really like that would be nice. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a, oh, we have damaged our planet for the past millennium, yeah. but especially in the past 150 years where we've accelerated it. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity. I'm not sure what it's like in Israel, but in the United States, we have various states of shutdown and shelter in place. Yeah. And what I feel is that it's, it's this opportunity to shift. Like, do I really need that? Or do mm-hmm. I want it? What about it? Is, and if I need it, what about it do I need? Is it, is it like a food thing or is it a self-worth thing? Is it a food addiction? Is it a distraction? What is it that's calling me? If, if typically, if I find myself distracting myself and it's like a Netflix binge, I know I'm hiding myself from a feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'll allow myself to do that for like a day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and then the next day I'm like, okay, you had your fun. Now Mm -hmm. I have to do my spiritual practices to find out what it is that is making me feel uncomfortable about myself so that I don't have to carry it anymore. And that involves typically a lot of tears Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a feeling that wants attention and, and I've been ignoring it. And then there've been a couple of times where I've had a really deep emotion that I've been scared of. And I've doubled over in pain sobbing for two minutes Mm. and then it goes away because I finally paid attention to it. Yes. And we're not taught how to do that. Like when you were a kid and you had a temper tantrum, your parents said, don't do that. Well, what was the temper tantrum about? Being heard. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, don't do that, say, okay, what's going on that's making you cry? How can I help you get to the other side of this so it doesn't become a trauma 
of feeling like you've been ignored. Thank you, spirit. <laughs> like, I don't know where that came from, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been severely traumatized for, for, for generations. And, and that's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's unfortunately a vicious cycle. My, my grandfather was a Holocaust survivor. Oh, wow. You know, so uh, oh. he, he, yeah, he was in 18 concentration camps um, at the age of 13. So he so was in the camps. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's inhumane to think about mm-hmm. what, what took place. Um, yeah. You know, his whole family was, was basically murdered in front of his, mm. in front of him. He was actually shot as well, um, but the bullet hit him in the shoulder and he faked his own death. So he was buried alive. And then waited and then was able to climb out. Oh, I'm so um, sorry. Now, the thing is, because of that trauma that was that was caused that we can't even imagine such a trauma. Yeah. So so that was then passed on through the next generation, which was my father, mm-hmm. who basically was totally emotionally numb. You know, he didn't know how to how to how to give emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a father who didn't know how to say I love you, didn't know how to hug, didn't know how to have a conversation at all, was terrified, absolutely mm-hmm. terrified of money, was totally anxious, was always, always on eggshell. Like we were on eggshells around because mm-hmm. he, he was, um, and yet I love him so much and, and so dearly. And I, and I actually see only good in him. Like I only see the good in him. I see him as, a, as an incredible person who just didn't have the tools Mm -hmm. and I see him as a person who was in an emotional wheelchair. You know, it's amazing how if you see someone in a wheelchair and, you know, even if they bump into you in in the aisles in the store, you don't get angry with them because, oh, they're in a wheelchair. They're they're handicapped. Like I'm not Mm going to scream at a handicapped person. Right. But somebody who's emotionally handicapped, we we don't see that. We're not sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. If you see, if we see people as emotionally handicapped, we'll be more forgiving and, and more loving and caring and understanding. And so I look at both of my parents and both of them had so many issues and so much baggage. They're both emotionally handicapped. It was, it was mm-hmm. as if they were sitting in, in wheelchairs. And so I then had to really rewire my brain mm-hmm. in order to not pass that on to the next generation, my children. And that was a lot of inner work, a lot, and yeah. still working, still working on it, mm-hmm. you know, still, still, still working through it. And, you know, I was emotionally abusive to my wife for the first, I would mm-hmm. say, five, five years at least of, uh, we're married now 13 years. And I, I am absolutely every day blessed and thankful for her to sticking by my side because what she had to put up with, it's unbelievable. And thank God today we're, it's amazing. Things are great we're like, we're just best friends. And mm. it doesn't mean that there's never a tough time, but it's, it's not what it, it's not like it used to be. I don't, I don't do silent treatments and I don't verbally abuse or anything like that. And so there's no, there's none of that going on. That took, that took a long time. And, and I want my children to, to be able to have the best, the best advantage when they get married so that they're not like that to their spouses and, and, and their children. At some point, we have to kind of take ownership and, and not say, you know what, it's because my parents and it's because of my, the, the students in my class, they bullied me and it's because of the teachers and they did this and society. And at some point, you just got to say, you know what, it's still a choice. I still can choose my destiny and what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm not going to accept that 
that was the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. I can accept it from a point of I accept that I went through it, but I'm not going to accept that now I'm going to live based on that. No, no, that's right. on me. That's up to me. Right. And taking that responsibility and allowing yourself to see how you brought it in so it's something you can heal mm-hmm. is a it's such a it's such an empowering thing because you shift from victim to being whole and being fully present for yourself like i i know i have stuff that i've worked through and stuff that pro- i'm in, i'm in a human body so i know i have stuff that i have to work through I don't always know what it is because it's in my subconscious, but like, right. <laughs> yay, subconscious. But, you know, I know that whatever I bring into my life is for me to work on. Mm-hmm. So if I have, sorry, mom, I'm going to throw you under the bus, an emotionally, <laughs> emotionally manic depressive narcissist of a mother. Hey, mom. Yeah. Sorry, mom. But, but, you know, and, and I love her. I love her. I love, I see her spirit. I see mm-hmm. who she is. Like yeah. I see that, 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 that being that that's that higher self that she is mm. versus the human incarnation that suffers from fear and unworthiness. And so I'm able mm. to still love her and put up barriers to keep that yes. from me and still be able to have a relationship where I can show up for her in the best way I can. Yeah, I'm very glad you said that the barriers because that's, that's really important because a lot of times what people, what happens is when we, when we become vulnerable and when we, when we work on ourselves to the point where we forgive and love, if we go to that extreme and we don't create boundaries, then we end up being taken advantage of and there's no there's no balance. And, and, you know, this is, this is a lot of the Kabbalah that I've, that I've studied. And this is the ancient wisdom of, of on the right side, you have love and kindness. And on the left side you have, and that's called Chesed. On the left side, you've got what's called Gavura, um, which is, which is strength. And, and the, the, you have to be balanced. The, the way that I see it, I always like to use analogies because I'm very visual is imagine a seesaw, you know, on, on one side of the seesaw, you've got love and kindness and forgiveness and acceptance. And then the, the other side of the seesaw, you have boundaries and rules and distance and space. And if, if either one is unbalanced, then there's going to be a breakdown in, in, in the relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're too harsh with your children and you create tough, tough boundaries, and I've seen this with, with friends of mine who, my best friend, Jacob, growing up, his parents were really, really tough. I mean, they created so many boundaries and he felt so uh, claustrophobic and, and just pressured. And he ended up just totally running off with a woman who was double his age. He's in his late twenties and she was like already a grandma and like very, it's it just the whole, it was just very mm-hmm. disturbing. And, but there was a rebellion, you know, and he was also mm-hmm. religious. And so he, and he married someone who was totally not even not Jewish. And he was, he was born religious and Jewish. And so okay. It was kind of a, re- a, rebel- a be- rebellion, but, but more than just a rebellion, it was, it was an escape. He couldn't handle being trapped. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, the boundaries are really important, but if you have too, many, too much boundaries and no, no love, no acceptance, then, then there's, there's going to be an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. And on the other hand, 
we've got to have those boundaries. And so it's, it's really balancing the seesaw. It's, it's making sure that the seesaw, the seesaw is this constantly, is constantly balanced. And then you've got what's called teferis in, in Kabbalah and ancient wisdom. Um, teferis is, is the harmony of both loving kindness and, and strength coming together. Mm. That's beautiful. And it's what we need. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, for, for empaths, which I am a super sensitive empath, I love giving. Mm. Love it. Love it. Get taken advantage of all the time. Well, not no, I don't get taken advantage of anymore. But for a long period of time, I was taken advantage of because I didn't know how to say, okay, I'm bringing mm. value to you. Do you see the worth in it? And if you don't, that's fine. We'll part ways with love. But I'm not going to have you denigrate me because if I do, then I don't love myself enough. And I'm letting you take advantage of me because I don't love myself enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and within, within love itself, boundaries is a form of love, mm -hmm. right? You know, if you let your child go without brushing his teeth, I mean, it's hell every evening with us because, you know, I don't want to brush my teeth. So if I was like, okay, I'm going to be the best father in the world and just be like, you know, I love you so much. You, you could do whatever you want. Don't worry about brushing your teeth. And then when they're like 26 and they have no teeth, it's like, what did you do, dad? Why did you let yeah. me do that? Well, I loved you. No, you didn't. If you loved me, you would have made me brush my teeth. So it's interesting how sometimes love is setting the boundary. The boundary is love itself. I have an option for them. <laughs> uh, oil pulling that might because it, that kills bacteria too but i'll tell you about that later <laughs> okay <laughs> interesting <laughs> but yeah i agree with you like having boundaries is loving yourself enough or loving another enough to say no that isn't healthy or that isn't aligned mm. or that isn't good for your soul for your body temple it's you know we're trying to support each other and if we allow somebody to stomp all over us and we don't stand up for ourselves then chaos ensues within and then you have mm -hmm. a lot of emotional work yeah <laughs> it's just easier to have boundaries <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. And sometimes we have to go to the opposite extreme. You know, the Maimonides uh, talks about the, the importance of, of needing to go to the other extreme if you want to change something that is very... So if you have a, a certain character trait, uh, maybe you're very greedy, right? And, and if that's a character trait, so then the, the advice that Maimonides gives, um, he was an ancient rabbi, he says that uh, you have to go to the opposite extreme, which is to just totally, totally give because mm -hmm. you want to you wanna go. And it's almost like imagine you have a piece of metal and you want it to be straight and it's bent all the way uh, one way. So then you want to bend it all the way the other way so that it uh, ends up forming a shape in the middle and the center. So, so to hear sometimes if we're too giving, setting the boundary but in a, in, in a way that's very, very extreme so that in the end you come back to a healthy place. Mm -hmm. um, so there's really, there's three stages, right? So the first stage would be the unhealthy 
stage. So imagine a situation that's an unhealthy situation. And then what happens is the second stage is setting the boundary. So you set the boundary in an extreme way. And sometimes the other person will be so surprised because, oh my goodness, what's going on, Erica? This, this is not like you. You know, why, why are you being so harsh? Why are you being so... And, and you've just got to stand your ground because it's the only way to, to work it. Now, stage three is actually the same as stage one, but now in a healthier version of it. So you're doing the same action in stage one and stage three. But in stage three, it's coming from a place of, of power and, and self-respect and a place of balance. Whereas in stage one, it came from a weakness, a place of weakness. But you have to go through stage two, which is the really difficult part because it's so mm -hmm. unnatural to you. Right. But, uh, but it's necessary. Right. It's necessary. Yeah, learning to love yourself enough to create boundaries is, is a process. Yeah. But when you know, you know, the thing is as well is that with time, a, a lot of us give away so much of our time. Mm -hmm. And if we were, if we were, if we were able to, to get back that time to be able to focus on our creativity, on what we're really, really good at, because everybody, you know, everyone listening to this, there's, there's one thing that you're really, really, really good at, like really good at. And some of you already have discovered it. And, and if you have, that's a gift and you should be very thankful for it. And some of you haven't yet discovered it, but, but you will if you had the time to allow yourself to, to express your creativity and you'll find it. Which you do now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that, now we, we all, we all kind of have more, more time, which is, which is great. You know, the earth is, is sort of doing a reset because we've pushed it to the point of, okay, now there's no choice like we need to reset this but when you have that time you give yourself that time and you and you're able to focus on that what i would call a superpower like we all have a superpower mm -hmm. and when you're able to focus on that superpower you know everything else kind of becomes you when you realize your superpower you realize why am i spending time on all these other things like i really should be focusing on this because this is my super this is where i shine this is where I totally come out and, and, and I'm able to be myself in the purest version. And this is where people go, wow, wow, you're, this is incredible. But we have to allow ourselves the time and the mental space and the emotional space to be able to really invest in that superpower so that it really, really comes forth. And then we're able to then help others with it because we all have that superpower only for one reason. And that is to help, to help other people. And I believe that the reason why we go through what we go through, all the trauma that you've been through, Erica, and, and, and what I've been through and anyone listening to this has been through, it's all because it's a training program. It's for you to be able to come out the other side and then help other people because you've been through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think I wanted to be an expert in what I am, <laughs> but, but, but something in me wanted to be an expert because otherwise it wouldn't have come in. And so my, my, my not so funny joke is that I am an expert in distractions. I've been distracting myself since I was six weeks old. And because mm. I, I, um, I was born with a dislocated hip and placed in traction at six weeks old. And I was in a mm. body cast for 18 months. So 
I'm really good at distracting. Like that is the thing that I know better than anything else on the planet. And I joke because I wa- I, I'm, I'm, I have awareness now to notice when I'm in full distraction. And I notice if it's a difference, like if I'm just want to enjoy myself, I can enjoy myself. Like mm-hmm. listen to Beethoven the sixth while I'm drinking morning chai. That's a beautiful <laughs> distraction. That's like, that's amazing. Cause that reset, that sets my day. If I play on Instagram for two hours, that's an unhealthy distraction. Can I, can I challenge you on that? Do you mind? Sure. I don't think that's your superpower. I think that distracting is, is just our ego's way of wanting to stay alive and mm. protecting itself. Um, I happen to relate to what you're saying because I'm also a master distractor. In <laughs> fact, I, I actually, I have a spiritual <laughs> have a spiritual guide who I, I once said to him, I said, you know, I said, I'm a master escape artist. Like I'm a master at escaping, um, escapism. Mm-hmm. I, I escape from everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm able to escape so well. And he said to me, and he called me out on this and I'm so glad he did. He said, he said, Daniel, you're not a good escape artist because you haven't escaped. Mm. You're just good at, you're just good at distracting yourself. Mm. If you escape, that would be great. But you're, <laughs> don't fool yourself. <laughs> well okay one of the skills i've learned very well is distracting then (laughs) yeah and by the way another thing that you mentioned was you said that uh you wake up in the morning and you listen to to beethoven with your chai Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a distraction i don't think it's a distraction at all i think that's a beautiful way of connecting that's real Mm -hmm. connection that's being in the moment being present and and connecting to yourself the going on Instagram for two hours and binging, that's definitely a distraction yeah. because it doesn't feel good afterwards. You feel like, right. oh man, you know, but after your tea and Beethoven, you feel, you feel great. Pretty right? awesome. So, yeah. so the, we have to be careful to kind of call out what is mm. a distraction and what, and what really isn't a distraction, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I think it bring I come from that, from the point of, Sometimes when we do something that's really good for our souls, we feel guilty about it. Mm, yes. Yes. Guilty pleasure. And if it's a pleasure and it brings you joy, it shouldn't be guilty. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like lots of sugar and then, then you're going to feel bad anyways. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is, is that if you're going to eat the ice cream, then damn it, just enjoy it. You know, you're, right. you're doing it anyway. If you're going right. to do it anyway, that's, that's another thing that, I, that I, I learned and discovered about myself is that I was so hard on myself. I kept seeing myself beating, beating myself up the whole time. Oh, why did you do that? Oh, why did you, why did you eat that? That wasn't good for you. Why did you watch that? Oh, why did you? And uh, I came to realize that if, if you're going to watch that Netflix and you're going to binge or you're going to eat that ice cream, then do it accept yourself for doing it and Mm -hmm. damn it enjoy the thing like enjoy it enjoy it and say you know what i'm giving myself this because it's so pleasurable and i'm gonna enjoy it no regrets no guilt Mm -hmm. that's it and yeah because otherwise we end up uh, in a worse place like what's worse Mm -hmm. than eating those sugar or eating those calories is the is the the guilt and the stress i guarantee you, you get you get get more weight and you feel more sick from the voice in your head that's telling you off than from the actual calories you consume. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're using the sugar or the Netflix binging to avoid those feelings, that's the unhealthy part. Right. So but do you get the differentiation? Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But then there's also the acceptance. Right. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I totally, I hear that too. Because it's like, if you just feel the need to, if you don't want to face your feelings, don't face your feelings, but don't right. completely avoid them for the rest of your life. Sure. Sure. There's but that I balance. I think if you're a healthy person and I think you, if, if you really have a good sense of self-awareness, I think you will naturally take care of it. We have to trust ourselves more, Erica. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we don't, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh man, but if I don't tell myself off, then I'm going to do it again. No, no, no. I know, I know. Don't, don't, don't worry. Trust, trust in yourself that you will, you will center yourself. Mm -hmm. like, you'll, you'll binge watch that Netflix and you'll be like, okay, I'm done. And now I'm going to go back to the thing just without any of that noise of, right. of why. because the ego ultimately the only way it's able to exist and the only way it's able to stay alive is, is by being that, that voice and saying, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise the minute that we get quiet and the minute that we're able to be present, even when we're quote unquote escaping or, or, or distracting, but if you're in the moment while distracting, mm -hmm that is a void of ego because mm -hmm. the, the, vo the voice isn't there. He's not trying right. to grab hold of, of, of anything. And so it's, it's a, it's a cunning thing, the ego. It's, yes. it's very tricky and it does it things. Indeed. I actually believe that um, the ego's tricks, what it uses is, is what I would call a, a, another, another analogy I like to come up with is the mouse trap. So you can call the ego, the devil or the Satan, the Satan. Um, we have all different uh, names for him. But essentially, what he does is he, he sets a trap. It's, it's, a, it's a very conniving trap. Imagine, Erica, I, 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 I show you a mouse trap, and, I, and there's a piece of cheese in the, in the mouse trap. And I tell you, I'm trying to catch this mouse. Um, he's been always getting away, and I'm trying to, to, trying to get him. And so we, we sit there. We, we're hiding behind like a curtain, and we can like peek through, and we see. And when we see the mouse, he's like running to the, to the, to the, to the cheese. And the mouse grabs the cheese and manages to, to run off with it, and, and he eats it up, and, uh, and leaves the mousetrap. And you turn around to me, and you say, oh, that's good, at least he got the cheese, right? You put the cheese there for him, so he got the cheese. I'll turn around, and I say, Erica, don't you get it? The point wasn't for him to get the cheese, the point was for the trap, to trap him. I didn't want him, I didn't care about the cheese. Well, this is the same thing that the devil, or the ego, or the Satan, what he does, is he sets this trap, and the trap is, to get you to do something quote unquote bad. He tries to get you to do something bad. But the thing is, he doesn't care about the bad thing that you do. That's the cheese. If you do the bad thing and then you escape from the trap by accepting yourself and being totally okay, then he's lost mm. because that his whole point isn't the cheese. The cheese is a distraction. Mm -hmm. It's the trap. It's the feeling of crappiness after the cheese. That's what he wants. That's his mm -hmm. trap. Mm -hmm. The cheese itself, he doesn't care about. Right. So when we eat the cheese and we escape from the trap by accepting that we ate it and it's okay, mm -hmm. and we forgive ourselves, we've, we've, we've escaped from him. Mm. He, hasn't he hasn't trapped us. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is such... A beautiful gift to give ourselves. 
Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and one that I learn daily. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Daniel, it has been such a pleasure to connect Thank with you. you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> one more question for you. Oh, sure. How do people find you? Oh, um, well, I try not to hide. So, you know, um, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out there. I, I want to do this, actually. This is actually a first. I, because we have, we have more time now uh, due to this whole situation we're in, I decided I want to, to do some phone calls with people mm -hmm. who are, you know, who are in a, you know, I, I would say who see themselves as overachievers and, and feel burnt out. Um, and are looking for, for, for sort of more, a more deeper, richer, meaningful life. And I'd love to get on a call um, with some of your listeners and just, um, you know, a 30 minute call um, to just be able to see if there's any way that um, we can uncover their, their, their spirit and, and mm. the, the, the thing that they want to connect to because everybody's yearning. We're all yearning for something and, and we just don't know what it is. And, and so if they go to put up a page called deeperliving.life, so it's called deeperliving.life. And on that page, there's a simple form. They just fill it out. It's an email form. And, and then we'll book a call and we'll be able to speak. Um, mm -hmm. For those that, uh, that just want to reach out and just say hi, you know, please send me an email. I answer all my emails. So they could send an email to daniel at danielgeffen. Com. So that's Daniel at Daniel Geffen. Geffen is with one F, by the way. Uh, Daniel at DanielGeffen.com. And I'd love to, I'd love to be in touch. Love to help as many people as I, as I can. I've been in the situation and I know what it feels like to be stuck. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Erica. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for the work you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you. The action item of the week is, well, there's so many options, but okay, if you haven't sat with yourself yet and tuned into your superpower, here's your chance. No distractions, okay? Phone off, computer off, preferably outside, you know that, and sit and meditate. Sink into the quiet and let yourself feel. You'll probably know what it already is, but really let yourself feel what brings you deep joy. Then allow yourself to cultivate it so you can shine. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Oh